0: This is The Secret Library, a podcast about writing and publishing books. I'm Caroline Donahue, a life coach who works with writers, and I'm here to tell you this is your year. It's time to stop waiting and start writing. The Secret Library podcast is brought to you by listeners like you via The Secret Library podcast Patreon. You can check it out and support the show at patreon.com slash secret library. This is episode 120 of the Secret Library podcast. My guest this week is Jessica Crispin. Jessica Crispin is the founder and editor of the magazines Bookslet.com and Spoliamag.com. She's the author of The Dead Ladies Project, The Creative Tarot, and Why I Am Not a Feminist A Feminist Manifesto. She's written for many publications, some of which are still in existence. She's lived in Kansas, Texas, Chicago, Ireland and Berlin among other places. She currently lives in Kansas City. So I was very, very excited to have Jessa on. We recorded this conversation quite a while ago, but I've been kind of holding it in my back pocket for the right moment to share it. And one of the reasons I really wanted to start to uh, to talk to Jessa was that she's the kind of the only other person I know doing tarot readings about writing and book projects. And as I was doing my hundred readings project a few years ago where I wanted to do hundred tarot readings for people, I had a little breakthrough partway through with a friend of mine who didn't really have a particular question about her own life, but we realized she was working on a book. So we decided to do a reading about her book and it was Kind of mind blowing. And so I started digging around and looked into whether anyone else was doing this and found out that Jessica Crispin was, in fact, doing that. And not only that, her book, The Creative Tarot, has been a huge influence and one of my very favorites, as is her beautiful deck that she co created called The Spolia Tarot. So I was really thrilled that she was willing to come on, talk tarot, talk writing, and everything about the creative process. She's very frank and refreshing to talk to. So I know you're really going to enjoy this conversation with Jessica Crispin. Hey, Jessica! thanks so much for being on the show. Of course. I'm delighted to be here. So I have been wanting to talk to you for ages because in teaching, um, people starting to teach people writing classes where I encourage them to use tarot as prompts and ways to open up their writing. The first book I tell them to get their mitts on is the creative tarot. Um, because I think it's the, it's, well, there are not many books about this out there. And also I think that using a sort of standard, if there are any such things, but a standard book about tarot doesn't really serve the writer who is looking to use tarot in a creative pursuit. So I'm very excited to have you here to talk about this topic.
1: Of course. Yeah. It's, um, it's, Well, one of the reasons to write a book ever is because you're looking for a book that doesn't exist, right? So you're looking for a book that will serve a purpose in your life and it doesn't exist until you're like, oh shit, now I have to to write the goddamn thing. (laughs) Yeah. But here it is,
0: and we're so glad you did. So thank you for doing that. (laughs) Sure. (laughs) So I'd love to start. I know that you've done and you offer this on your, on your site that you'll, you know, work with people using tarot and their writing projects or other creative projects. But I'm wondering if you could tell everyone the story of how you started doing that and how that came
1: together for you. It was, um, a little bit of a, of a joke, um, or not a joke, but it was just like, a we were doing a, I used to edit a literary magazine called Spolia that may it rest in peace and also maybe one day be resurrected. Like it keeps dying and coming back and dying and coming back. But um, we were doing a black magic issue and I had been reading the tarot for a long time and I, uh, but only privately, right? I like had never done readings for anybody else other than slightly unwilling friends <laughs> <laughs> parties and, uh, so I thought as a promotional thing, I'll just do for the month that the issue is out, I'll do tarot readings and I used it primarily for my writing at that point. So I thought, oh, well, I'll just do one for writers, one not for writers and, it became so popular that immediately I had like the next six weeks booked. So it was immediately beyond the confines of the month that I had planned on doing it and people just kept being interested in it. So I just kept doing it and that was, you know, several years ago. Um, so yeah, for, I thought it was just going to be this thing that I did for a couple of weeks and, um, and now it's a large part of my life. Amazing. So what
0: did it surprise you the the sort of information that came up from doing the readings on people's projects? Like how was it to initially shift from, you know, reading for people and friends about, you know, their life issues to
1: it being about a project? Well, it's easier for me to do it about a project or not easier. That's that's I guess I'm more engaged, intellectually engaged when I'm talking with a writer and that doesn't mean that I don't love reading for issues of, you know, heartbreak and, and confusion and uncertainty in other uh, realms of life. But there is something very sort of special to me about being able to talk to a writer and help them move through a project. Um, I'm not sure what it is, but maybe it's just that I, I have wanted in the past a reader of some sort to be able to work with me on that level. And non-writers aren't necessarily able to understand the creative problems of writers. And so they offer terrible advice. <laughs> and, um, and this has been historically true for me of like going to, well, I'm creatively blocked. I'm working on this thing. And then, Oh, well, why don't you try journaling? And Oh, I want it, I want it, I want you to die right in front of me at this very moment. Um, so being able to do that is just sort of, it's nice. I like it.
0: Amazing. So when did it, like, how long was it before you realized it was going to be a book? Like, when did you start looking for the book that was the creative tarot?
1: Oh, uh, you know, immediately. <laughs> the thing is, like, all all books about tarot are bad for the most part. Um, at least, you know, I started writing the book on the cusp of this tarot revival that we have going on right now. And mm-hmm. um, so... Things have been published recently that are very interesting. But for the most part, if you look for books on the tarot, if you're just sort of like in that new age section of your bookstore, you're going to find garbage. You're going to find either soft-headed, mystical woo-woo shit that talks about energy and uh, fate and the spirits and all that kind of stuff. Or you're going to find very sort of dry historical this is this is how the tarot developed and evolved through the years. Like who cares? Um, and so I wanted something that was very practical, and couldn't find it. So, so yeah, I had I I, I ended up writing it.
0: So how did you go about the process? Because the thing about tarot is that it has its own. Structure, obviously. And so did you start from the beginning and, and write through the cards? I'm interested in how you got through the whole 78 and, and wrote them because there's so much in each description for anyone who hasn't dealt with it. I mean, you were, you've listed movies, you've got references, like there's a lot in each card. So I'm interested in the process of how you got that down for each one
1: it was my mood mostly um you know in the same way of my friend and I uh, collaborated on a deck together and which recently came out and that was you know very much on well what, it, what do we feel like tackling today and it was to be like I feel like I feel like we're I'm in a very nine space so let's work on the nines and the mm. minors or whatever and, th- and that was pretty much how the book worked too if like well, what did I pull today? What have I been thinking about today? What am I being what have my clients been getting? Um, and so it just sort of worked like that, just like a freeform mood thing. The problem with that is um, of course, at the end you'll find that the cards you're left with are the tower and the world. <laughs> <laughs> And all of a sudden, like all of the most daunting things are are waiting for you at the very end, which makes you want to die a little bit. But um, but yeah, it it it's, it was very much in the in the same way that, uh, and I was collaborating on the deck with Jen, uh, Jen May, the artist, at the same time. So it was very much sort of um, the book and the deck informed each other and had a a, uh, a influence on each other. Yeah, absolutely. So how did it go with the tarot? I,
0: everybody, I mean, the tower, everybody, I feel like the tower gets such a bad rap, but I, I kind of love it, but maybe that's just me.
1: Yeah. I, I hate people who try to make the tower sound good. Yeah. It's not good, but it's, no. it's like a fire sale, but people but people there's, you know, in, in the new age community there, there can be a reluctance to work with darkness, or pain, so everything becomes good for you. You know, I remember, and I, I think that this is like a consistent problem. But I was talking uh, with an astrologer, and she was talking about Saturn transits, and they're like, she's just like, yeah, Saturn is just your like boot camp instructor. I was like, that sounds, that sounds terrible. A, eh? but also like, why can't we just admit that it feels like. Like, why can't we just admit that that the tower that Saturn transits or Pluto transits or whatever are really, really hard and terrible and demoralizing and you have to confront stuff you don't want to confront and it's difficult rather than everything being in this kind of sunshiny, well, it's good for you kind of mode. So the tower can be your house burning down, your pet dying. It can be your bank account being wiped out all of a sudden. Um, And these things do not feel good. And I think that there's a reluctance within the new age community to admit that because everything is supposed to be happening for a reason. And actually the universe is chaos and doesn't give a shit about you. And I think that that element has to come into play with um, these conversations. Absolutely. I mean, I think that's what I like about it is that it forces
0: you to look at things that everybody's like, la, 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 you know, we're not going to talk about this. Um, yeah. And when that card comes up, and I think in particular, related to writing, because as somebody who has a very hard time throwing shit at my characters, um, it it kind of forces you to look at, okay, what is this person afraid of? What is the worst thing that could happen to this character? And... That will make the book a lot more interesting than them just tripping (laughs) through the field of daisies for you know two hundred pages. Right, right. I mean, how have you seen? um, How have you seen the cards kind of shift people's writing projects as you've been reading for them? I'm interested in how you know that relationship opens up because you know it's true people do say things to you. It's sort of like when. Um, I was single for a long time and people gave these advice. Like I remember somebody saying, have you thought of asking your friends if they have any single friends? <laughs> you know, the oh kind my of, God. yeah, it's like that kind of advice. I feel like, yes, you get that kind of writing advice. Like, what have you thought about X, Y, and Z? And I'm interested in the antidotes to those kinds of things. And what you've seen in tarot as being really good advice that was useful
1: Um, you know, it's, it's very much like a case by case basis. Um, you know, um, last night I had a client, um, and her question was about, yeah, I mean, her question was about how does she balance the sort of personal writing experience with her public self? Mm. Um, and how does she give herself to a sort of writing community without sort of draining her resources. And so we were talking about this. Um, And, uh, you know, that seems like kind of a, a insubstantial question in, in the way of like, well, you know, have you, t- have, you t- tried have you tried social you media? Know, blah blah blah. Um, but the the card that came up is the hanged man, which is a very serious card. Um, and so all of a sudden we were talking about vulnerability. Um, you know she she feels vulnerable taking a position in the public sphere that she doesn't feel when she's actually revealing intimate sides of herself through her writing and just sort of sending poems out that way. So what's the difference? And so, um, I don't know if it's like advice, you know, there's not, there aren't a huge number of times when I've given, I was like, well, you need to do this and blah, blah, blah. Except for several times I've gotten in the reading, the devil, um, with a, with a client and the advice I go is like, no, you need to, it needs to get dark. Like it needs to, (laughs) you need to look at what you're, what you're avoiding writing about. Um, but for the most part, it's just a, it's just a conversation of like, well, here's the prompt. What's going on with that? Why is, why is this the emotional reaction you're having to this card? Um, yeah. So it's, it, it's a better conversation than it is sort of here's what you need to do. Except, you know, for that part, I always just do, here's the book you need to read, here's the movie you need to watch. Um, And sometimes those things resonate and sometimes they don't.
0: Yeah. I think it is. I think it's, this is something that I have loved about tarot for years. And I think it was sort of like an, Oh, when you could put it with writing, but just that it has so many, Um, universal themes and interests. And one thing that I find really interesting, I don't know if you've done this, but is doing readings for characters in a book and seeing Mm -hmm. what happens with that. Have you played with that at all?
1: I've had a couple clients do that where they wanted me to do a tarot reading for their character. Um, and I'm totally happy to do that. Um, it's, um, it's not a, it's not a regular thing that I'm asked to do, but but it has come up. Um, and apparently it was useful. I mean, I don't I don't know. <laughs> you know, sometimes <laughs> sometimes people follow up and sometimes people don't. So you you have like this kind of intense hour long session with somebody and then you never hear from them again. So it's like hard to tell if, you know, and they say, Oh, that was good. It was like I have no idea if this is going to do anything for them or not. That's so funny. Well, what has the
0: feedback been? Have you gotten a lot of feedback about the book since the book has come out and how that's been useful?
1: Yeah, it's, um, it's a hit on Instagram. I can tell you that. Um, it's uh, it's a great cover. It's a very Instagrammable cover. I have to say it's so good. Um, and they were very thoughtful about it, about using the exact same yellow as, as the writer weight box, um, and, and so on and so forth. So they were the, you know, it could have gone bad. It could have been like a cat gazing into a crystal ball (laughs) with cards laid out in front of her, you know, it could have been really bad. Um, so I was eternally grateful to them, but, um, but yeah, you know, it's, it's one of those things. Sometimes you hear, sometimes you don't, um, how people connect to something. Um, you know, I've written three books, so it's, uh, it's one of those things where it's always interesting to see who connects to which one, because they're, they're actually pretty different. Yeah, they're really different, which is interesting, also. Yeah. Um, I mean, I think that they're all the same, actually. I think it's just different expressions of the same idea. <laughs> <laughs> that all three books are doing the doing the same thing in, in completely different ways. And, um, it was interesting to write them because uh, by the end of it, I was like, okay, I'm ready for a new idea. Um, and so I am finally working on an- another idea. <laughs> That's so interesting.
0: Cause I think it's, yeah, because you've got, that is interesting because from the outside, I think looking at them, they, they do feel different. But I think when you're the one inside writing the idea, you're just like, okay, I know I'm still on the same theme.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's how, how does a person live a life? Right. I mean, the dead ladies is, is the personal expression of that or, and also trying to find like the tradition, the historical, um, uh, bloodlines that a person might come across and try to live out. The tarot is how to do that, Creatively and intuitively, Um, and then the manifesto is how to do it politically. Um, So it's all the same thing. They're all the same book. It's like a triptych. Yeah, it is like a triptych. I love that. I love it.
0: So I'm wondering. Also, I've I've been thinking about it a lot because, in particular, I was really moved by your. I found the descriptions really unusually moving for me because, as you have noted, reading tarot books and reading what other people's takes on cards have been, have been sort of like intellectual or like, okay, here's a list of meanings. Got it. I can kind of synthesize that. But Mm -hmm. yours, I felt much more moved by it. In particular, um, there was something about the star being described as the David Bowie card, which I really loved. And now I've more recently seen decks that have David Bowie featured in them. And I've wondered, I don't know if you've seen that and I'm like I wonder if that's because they read the book and got really excited about it and then you're (laughs) starting to like show up in decks
1: everywhere that would be funny um but I also feel like you know David Bowie has passed on, so now he belongs to all of us. Um, so now he just sort of, you know, he makes visitations <laughs> when he needs to. Um, I can't remember. No, I guess I wrote it before before he died. But um, but yeah, he was like super super fucking Aquarius and Uranian, um, and the star is uh, of course ruled by Aquarius. Um, so so yeah, it just made it just made sense to me.
0: Plus, I think it's yeah, his his sort of. Going into his weirdo kind of experimental, like, I'm really going to do this 150%, I think, really suited that card. But I love that description in particular. And the other one that I loved um, was the description of the lovers as... I think everybody always wants to pull the lovers. Sort of this is the, the opposite conversation of the tower where like nobody wants to pull the tower. Um, mm-hmm. But it can give you permission to talk about things that are too scary. But I also think everybody wants to get the lovers. Yeah. Because they think it means something different than I think what it means. And I thought your take on that was really interesting. So I'm wondering if you can say more about your approach to the lovers.
1: Well, yeah. I mean, <laughs> if you read mythology, love does not work out for fucking anybody. Um, <laughs> and it's, it's related to arrows. So, you know, um, arrows ruined everybody's lives. He would show up, he would hit you with an arrow and all of a sudden you'd be in love with somebody or a, some tree or like a cow or yeah, a, always river a cow or something. Yeah. So, That thing does not have to love you back, right? So you can be filled with love and passion and excitement, and that thing can be absolutely indifferent to you, and that is an experience of love. And so that's what lovers is. It's about your experience, and it has nothing to do with the other person. It doesn't matter if it's reciprocated. It doesn't matter if it's requited. It just is this experience of um, being... Uh, Having your entire life re-centered around something that is maybe indifferent to you, whether that is a lover, whether that is God, whether that is um, a a sort of calling to a particular job or or work, um, whatever it is, like that thing does not have to give a shit about you. Um, and you know, um, the sort of most famous arrow story of all is Daphne and Apollo and Apollo got hit by an arrow. Daphne absolutely did not. And she would rather change herself into a tree <laughs> than to have sex with him. So, you know, that sometimes happens. Sometimes people would rather turn themselves into a tree than have sex with you. Yeah. It's a bummer. It is a bummer. And I'm glad that there is a card to express that because it is actually an experience that happens in life.
0: And I think it's an experience that happens a lot in books or, you know, it
1: makes for a good book,
0: that kind of dynamic rather than the two of cups, which I think is what people is more, what people are going for when they want to pull the lovers, um, is like happy reciprocated, like, yay, we're getting along kind of love. Um, but that isn't as good of a book as a, as a lover's book, I think.
1: No, I mean, nobody wants to read about happiness and complacency. Um, and I think for good reason, but, um, as if, if you want a plot line, yeah, the lovers is a good place to start. You know, Eros had, had a lot of good stories. So did Venus. Definitely.
0: Have you ever thought about, or have people sort of take tarot and then run with it sort of in a fictional sense from the beginning, like I'm going to take a card and I'm going to write a story that is based on the principles of this card.
1: Um, Sure. I mean, well, you know, there's historically, there've been um, writers and artists uh, who were inspired by the tarot. As far as my clients go, I don't, I don't really know about that, but, but certainly, you know, um, uh, Andre Breton, who I, mispronouncing his name, um, has, has done some of that. And, uh, um, Italo Calvino, mm-hmm. Salvador Dali, um, what's her name? Leonor Fini. Um, so yeah, it's a, um, I think it's a common kind of thing because it's, it's, an archetype. I mean, the major arcana are archetypes and those are exciting to work with if you're, if you're an artist or writer, cause there's a lot of power in them. Um, the minor arcanas are more like, you know, you could also build a book around a minor arcana card, um, because there's a story within each one. It's a, it's a, it's the, it's the challenge or the, the situation at the heart of the story.
0: Yeah, I always think of it as as like the big story in the major arcana. And then I almost like the idea of the minor arcana as as like for revision. <laughs> like where, where could this scene go? What's involved in this scene? Could we make it more um, – what needs to be accomplished in this scene? And that those sort of situations in the minor could be applied there.
1: Right. I mean, well, the minors are all – the majors are the archetype and the minors are how you express that archetype um, how you work with it. So, you know, each, if you're working with the chariot, um, which is about sort of, um, victory and drive and propulsion, but also about, um, the subconscious relationship with the conscious mind, um, the seven minor arcanas are about how do you express that? How do you express Propulsion. How do you how do you go out into the world to accomplish what you want to accomplish? And you know, with seven of wands, seven of wands, it's like well, you get a machete and you clear through the jungle um, <laughs> relentlessly until until you find something of interest. Seven of cups is you use your you create something through your imagination and then you walk into it. So, um, so yeah, it's it's the majors are really to. Um, big to work with directly often they feel like something that's happening to you rather than what you're doing but the minors are like how how you work with that energy
0: yeah I think that makes sense how have you found that doing all of this has changed your writing like since you started really looking at this and and moving into working with writers have you found that that changes the way that you work yourself
1: not really because I've always been a, a sort of you know mystic weirdo Um, so no, not really. (laughs) Yeah. Well, that's good. Then you are onto it
0: already. So you're working on another book now that's going in another direction. It's on another trajectory. Well, I'm writing two books at the same time, which I don't recommend. Oh, that's right. You wrote a really good newsletter about that.
1: Yeah. It's, um, don't, don't do that. (laughs) (laughs) It's it's too much, (laughs) you know, um, Yeah, it's and they're they are weirdly at the same time working on the same idea being expressed. I don't know why I do this. Like, why can't I just write one fucking book and have and be done with it? But it's always like, no, we're going to take this in two different directions and we're going to see what happens. And um, but I've never done the edit the same exact time before. Uh, So it's interesting. Maybe you're just getting more efficient before you did them three in a row. And now you're just like, all right, we're going to do it. We're going all in. You know, I would rather that I operate in a way other than how I do, you know, I, I was once asked to be on a podcast to talk about writing process, um, to, it was going to be just like a short interview about how I write and, and the implication being that, you know, other people could listen to this and take advice for how they could maybe change their process or whatever the hell. Um, and so I said, sure, I don't know if I'm going to be of any help. Um, but yeah, I'll show up and, um, you know, I, I told them what my process is and this is actually how I work is that nothing happens for a very long time. And then all of a sudden it's like, a wave that starts at the back of my head and starts crashing forward, um, of the words. And then I write them down so that I don't splatter my brains all over the wall and I write it and then it's done. And I'm a first draft writer on almost everything that I do. And that's just the way it works. And, um, either the words are there or they're not there. Um, so it's not like I can sort of get a shit revision first draft and then revise it into something that's better. It's just, this is how I, this is how I work. And they were like, huh? Uh, all right. So <laughs> 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 they never ran the podcast. Oh ran. no. Yeah. They didn't say anything about it. They're just like, oh, that's interesting. And then they just never used it. That's funny.
0: Well, yeah. it's interesting too, because I think it's, I mean, that happens for some people. I mean, it's not everybody and it's not something you can consciously choose like, okay, this is how I'm going to do it. And I don't think that people can consciously choose their process as much as we think. I think it's more about making space and setting up ideal circumstances for the process we already have.
1: Yes. I think that that is absolutely true. Um, you know, I don't talk about process with my clients. Um, who are writers I don't talk about, you know, unless they get something really obvious, like a four of coins or something like that. I don't talk about, uh, you know, what is your schedule? How much are you writing per day? That kind of stuff. Because I don't think that that's relevant. I don't think that that's helpful or useful. And it's weird how much, you know, of, um, the fetishization of writing that happens on social media and in those terrible, um, Uh, Paris Review interviews of like, oh, how do you write? It's like, oh, well, you know, because they're all upper middle class or upper class in those interviews anyway. So it's always like, well, I take a I take a walk with my dog through the woods, in my in the, my suburban home, uh, early in the morning. I get my thoughts going, and then I sit down with a, a cup of coffee, and for the next four hours, I'm just, you know like other people fucking wait tables and have children and so on and so forth, and they have to. Their process is they write shit down when they have. The available time, so right. I don't do that. I, you know, I don't like the sort of fetishization of writing of of process and you know putting how many words that you wrote today on Twitter. Like that's so obnoxious. Fuck you. Who cares? Um, so so yeah. So when when we talk about it, it's about you know inspiration and impulse and and archetypes and what is the energy that you're working with and how are you feeling about it and. You know what are the source of the blocks that you're having? I absolutely don't talk about. Um, you know, have you considered writing in the morning rather than at night? <laughs> yeah,
0: yeah, I think there is. I mean, because then I think people end up feeling like if I'm not doing it this way, then I'm not a real writer.
1: Yeah. The, I'm not a real writer because yeah, it's, it's, it's an actual thing. Um, I don't, and I don't understand it. Just whatever works for you, works for you. And if it's not working for you, it's probably something else other than the time in which you're trying to get writing done. Yeah, exactly.
0: I mean, I think it's, yeah, I think there are whatever gives you permission to write. And the other thing that's so frustrating about it is that, you know, this project may have a completely different set of circumstances that work. And then you may move on to another one and find that the previous system that you created and were so happy with is no longer working.
1: Absolutely. Yeah, it's, um, I, yeah, people talk about writing in, 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 I guess, in the same way that they talk about tarot in these kind of stupid ways, because, you know, no one, no one 100% knows how it works. And so there's no, there's really no trick to making it work when it's not working. And especially with the tarot, it's like, you know, you can be, you can know the history of the cards, you can know the meaning of every single card, and then it's astrological associations, and you could study, you know, uh, forever, and not be a good reader. <laughs> you know, there's something that happens in the interaction between cards, reader and client, that is... Um, mysterious. And you can do everything that you possibly can think of to try to enhance your ability and to try to learn it, but not everybody is going to be able to to do it because it's such a weird, mysterious, intuitive thing, you know. In the same way that I can't write a book if the book isn't there, like I have to wait until the muses show up, (laughs) you know, I can set out the bottles of champagne, I can try to tempt them in, but unless they actually show up, they're not there. Um, I can't get any writing done. Yeah, I think it's, it's something
0: that we all have about wanting to be in control of something that isn't controllable. Like, yes. oh, if I pull these cards, if I put these back and reshuffle and get better cards, then the circumstances will be different. Or when it's just going to be the same issue that is just communicated in a different, you know, sequence of cards. Or if I write at this time or this other thing, then then this is going to be easier. But fundamentally, processes aren't always easy.
1: Yeah. It's funny. I have a, I have a client that, um, for the past three readings, she's gotten the King of Wands. <laughs> it's just like, we both laugh at this point. Cause it's just like, come the fuck on. Like, can't he just go away? Like, why can't we just sort of get, be rid of him at this point? But yeah, every single reading King of Wands, um, and it's just like, that's the thing that you have to work with. There's no getting around it. That's the thing that you have to deal with right now is, uh, you know, for the for the next who knows how many years, because we've been doing these readings for a year now. Um, this is the energy you, you have to deal with. This is what you have to embody. Um, and this is what you have to understand. And until you do, that card is just going to keep showing up. <laughs> yeah, it's amazing. I mean, I think that was part of what had me
0: start reading for other people again, was that I was like, I am like atrophying on certain cards because I never get them. And yeah. I try different decks, I try different stuff, like nothing, never get those cards. Read for somebody else. Oh, look, there it is. There's a card I never get, even though- What were the
1: cards I have to ask?
0: Um, I think they're just some of the minors that I don't get, like just, oh God, now of course I'm trying to think of what they were, but I've since gotten better. But like, I just don't get like page of pentacles very much. Like Hmm. that's just not one I had a strong relationship with. And then I started reading for other people and I'm like, Oh, look, here's somebody. And they have all these associations with that energy. And, um, and it, and it was like, okay, great. Now I can kind of hook into that one energetically, but it's just not one that I get as much. And now I've started getting it more recently. Interestingly.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I've been getting, you know, it's, you know, I, I get streaks, right. Mm-hmm. And, and I think that this happens to everybody, but just like the same card over and over and over again, um, every day, because you know, I don't really read for myself anymore, except for the one card a day thing that I do. And, you know, there was 10 days of the tower, just tower, oh, tower, 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 tower. And then there was a month of death. It was oh, just wow. like a full month of death. Um lately it's been uh the six of swords that's been showing up at least every other day for the past week. So uh yeah. <laughs> yeah, I've been getting five of swords, like oh god on repeat. Okay. Yeah, at least I've i get, I'm getting the six. Yeah, the
0: six is like <laughs> you've gotten past it. You're in the boat, you're you're getting out of there, but yeah. No, I'm like, oh five of swords gotta watch my back. Yeah. Watch what I'm saying, I guess. But um, yeah, it's very funny. So this is really, really helpful. And I think, I hope everybody listening has a sense of like, your process is your process. Don't feel bad about it, for one thing. And that there is, um, there's nothing wrong with doing it differently than other people do it. And that there are resources. I I highly recommend the Creative Tarot. It's been a huge resource for me and I've recommended it to many people. So it's lovely to have you on and hear from you directly.
1: Of course, happy to be here.
0: Thank you so much. Thank you for listening to the Secret Library Podcast. The show is produced by me, Caroline Donahue, and Frederick Barry McWilliams Jr., my tireless audio engineer. To get show notes for this episode and all other episodes, please visit secretlibrarypodcast.com. To get updates, literary love, and notification when new episodes are posted, sign up there for Footnotes, my newsletter. And to learn about life coaching with me to work on building your writing life, visit carolinedonohue.com. If you enjoyed this episode, please share it with a friend. Gold stars to everybody who leaves a rating and review on iTunes. We're so grateful. Until next time, happy reading.